shift gears just a little bit. Um, it's not going to be a drastic change, but we're going to go to Second Peter, and uh, really, as Evan was going through his lesson, I realized how closely these go together. There was a, I don't know if it was a miscommunication or just a uh, change of the wheels uh, that happened, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit back in Second Peter. Uh, where uh, we had talked, uh, Matt and I had done a uh, sermon in class, and uh, focusing on Second Peter uh, 1, 5 through 7 is really where you have uh, this excerpt of um, adding, adding these things on uh, that, are, that are these good things, kind of like our study that we did on the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but let's start and let's read there, verses Second uh, Peter 1, starting verse 5 through 11. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the two that uh, we'll focus on this morning is knowledge and self-control. And uh, the things that Evan talked about out of Titus uh, go very closely with that. You know, he had the uh, things that you just say no to and the things that, that, that we're supposed to be doing. And um, those go hand in hand with knowledge and self-control. He spoke a lot about that. He, you know, he talked about Second Timothy two fifteen, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. And if you do a study on knowledge, you'll find that knowledge or instruction, uh, and there's a few other words in there that they all go really hand in hand. It's hard to splice them out, and it depends on what version you're reading from. It depends on what word is exerted there. So, very interchangeable, uh, but. One thing I want us to keep in mind uh, in looking at this is the emphasis that Peter puts on. And if you look at that's why I read verses 8 through 11. uh, Because in verse 8, he says that if you do these things that are in this list, uh, you won't be neither, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. And then in verse 9, he says, if you do lack these things, you're short sighted. Uh, and that you have forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins, and so it seems that this is the this is the uh, kind of second uh, phase of being a Christian. You become a Christian, uh, you receive that grace that Evan talked about, and then start adding these things. You know, you add to that faith that that you have, add to that, and then he goes. That's the really the rest of this list. But he's saying that if you don't follow up and do these things, you you're, you're short sighted and you've forgotten that you were cleansed from your sins. In verse nine, verse ten. Uh, be diligent to make a call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So, he, you know, here again, Peter put a lot of emphasis on this. And in verse 11, he gives us uh, kind of the, the long term here, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom, and that is if you do these things. Uh, so that kind of puts some weight on the things that we'll be talking about this morning. Uh, but if you, if you start out there, and we're going to start with knowledge, uh, you know, faith and virtue are the first two, and he's saying, add to virtue, knowledge. And even in this chapter, if you look at verse 2, 
grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the the emphasis here on knowledge is for what? What's the benefit there of knowledge? Grace and peace. Yeah, so grace and peace is multiplied to us through knowledge. And how, how might that be? I think heaven's lesson gave us a big hint, especially on grace. Some of it's uh, through the salvation he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is peace. Yeah. Well, you know, and if you just think about grace, if you go back to Titus 2, where, where Evan uh, spent a lot of time, you know, the grace there uh, being talked about teaches us uh, teaches us things. So the, the denying of godliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So here again, that's how knowledge is tied to grace, that, gra- that, that grace is teaching us. And to be taught, you have to have, you know, you've got to, uh, gain that knowledge or instruction and, and keep those in mind as being kind of interchangeable. Um, like what he's saying there, too, is that this, we may have a better understanding or appreciation of it, of grace and peace, the more our knowledge grows. Yes, you know, yeah, I agree. Yeah. He talks about the peace that passes all understanding. I mean, you know, those are things that, that you have to, you have to learn more about to appreciate those things more. Uh-huh. I think in verse 3 and 4 we talked about these promises that you've given that have been given to you. And in verse 3 he says he's basically giving you everything that you need. Yeah, and so the, the next thing, the next place in this chapter knowledge is mentioned is verse 3. And so he says there, uh, you know, he, this is there's a comma at the end of verse 2, so it's continuing the thought. As his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So through the knowledge of Jesus we have all the things that Evan's referring to here, we have everything that we need, everything that pertains to life and godliness. And I um, I think this pertaining to life it can really be twofold, but especially, I think, here, pertaining to the life that we're at here. He's given us all things that we need for this life and godliness. And what um, you talk to them about godliness, what, um, you know, you're not going to inherit the kingdom without being godly. Uh, being holy, how you know, however you want to phrase that, um, and then, then of course, it's mentioned. Knowledge is mentioned again here in verse five and six, and then it's mentioned in verse eight, where we've already uh, read. For these things, these these lists, if this list is yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. Um, and before we go any further, I kind of want to. Think about uh, before we move out of Second Peter one is I'm trying to think how to phrase this question. I might just have to just say it instead of ask it. But um, what what are the three? What's after knowledge? I guess it should be the question. Understanding. Understanding and what's after understanding. Wisdom. So knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. So knowledge is the basis of of, um, of what we're talking about here. And what is knowledge? If you just kind of, just the simplest form, what would you give a definition? Remembrance of facts. Facts. So just, just gaining, it's gaining uh, information, you know, that uh, gaining and attaining information. And then understanding would be what? That knowledge applied or... Uh, 
and I was thinking about it kind of, I was kind of thinking about how to portray this, and, you know, um, Matt might tell Colson, hey, look, it's going to hurt when I whoop you if you do this. Colson's like, oh, okay, yeah, I've gained those facts. And then he does it, and then he, he gets a whooping for it. Well, then now he understands. All right, well, that is going to hurt. And then the next level of that is wisdom, you know. So then he, at some point in time, he's going to understand, you know, he's going to gain the wisdom behind uh, the knowledge that was given. And so, of course, that's uh, many years later, but he'll, he'll eventually gain that. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of how we progress in it, too. And the Bible talks about that, you know, the, the gaining of, of instruction or knowledge and then that building into wisdom. Let's go to Proverbs, just to kind of look at some emphasis of this. And this could really be a, you know, you kind of, when you do a, a topic like this, you really kind of have to narrow down and just kind of decide what you're going to talk about because there's so much information uh, or so much knowledge to be gained uh, in the Bible about knowledge. But in Proverbs 1, in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so here we see um, this knowledge and understanding mentioned several times here. Uh, but it says there in verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And how do you do that? What's it say here? How do you, how do you gain that? You gotta look yep. You got to... Seek it. Yeah. It's, it's an active thing. It's not passive. It's not like you're just going to gain the knowledge that God wants you to have about Him in a passive way. It's an active. It's a, there's diligence involved there as it's referred to in Second Peter. Uh, and then here as well, uh, seek and search. You know, that's something that's active. Very, uh, It's not just going to happen. Chapter 15 of Proverbs. Maybe there are some very basic things that we can find out about God passively. I can look at creation and understand there's a creator. Mm-hmm. But to know what He wants and to know how to please him I don't get that from nature Uh, Proverbs 15 and verse 14 the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness so it's almost like there's a there's a layer here where this uh, this person has has gained and he understands now uh, the person of understanding is also going to go back and seek more knowledge so once you gain to that point, so that's the second level kind of of this. But once you get there, you're going to seek knowledge because you do understand what knowledge brings to the table. Uh, and it brings the table of truly knowing who God is and like Stephen referred to, of how to please Him uh, in, in those, those things. Let's go to Hosea. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 passage is familiar to a lot of us. Hosea 4 and verse 6. Uh, we're picking up in the middle of a thought here. But my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you from being preached for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. Uh, in Hosea chapter 6 
Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Come and let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, torn, but He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will raise us up, that we may live in His sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of God. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Uh, And so one of the things that... uh, you know, Hosea is stressing here is this knowledge, uh, and he's telling them here in ver- verse chapter four that there these people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge, and so that's a that's a uh, lesson for us is don't be in that in that boat, don't be the person or the people that are destroyed uh, because of our lack of knowledge. Be a people that is always seeking to know God deeper uh, and to know Him more intimately uh, every day. Let's. Uh, we're going to go ahead and. Um, well, let's let's turn to John before we switch gears here. Let's turn to John chapter twelve. And then, you know, in the simplest form, uh, knowledge or facts. Uh, how do we how do we gain that in the in the simplest form? Basically, have to get it from a source that you deem reliable to have it. Yeah, it's words. Right. You know, uh, Evan talked about that with Cornelius. It was the words that uh, that Peter spoke that was going to save him. Uh, and, and Jesus said that in John 12 and verse 48. He rejects me and does not receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Uh, and Evan read Acts 11 and verse 14. Uh, they're talking about Peter. I'll read that so get it accurate. Uh, Eleven verse fourteen. Who will tell? Who will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved? And that's uh, talking about uh, Peter's going to tell them those words uh, by which they that they'll be saved. And so, in the very simplest form, it, it's to gain knowledge. We have to read. I mean, that, that's that's the simplest form. You have got to read. Steve? The simplicity of that word is there. Of course, you recognize that we even, in terms of what we do, we gain that knowledge through different ways in the scriptures. We're either told it outright, we see an example of it, or there's an implication that we're following. You know, that's all the word of God, but it's how he chooses to show us those things. And that's that's just the way that we think. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way that we communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just wanted to point that out, that, that it's not always a literal command, but we do see examples and implications as well that we follow from that point. Yeah. All right, and one last passage, and we'll uh, switch gears to talking about self-control. Philippians 1. Nine through eleven. <clears throat> in this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ the glory and praise of God. And so how does knowledge what's <clears throat> how does knowledge play a role in these three verses? What's what's going on here? in reference to knowledge. Well, 
What are the, what's the result? It's like an increase, an increasing in your understanding of what is good and excellent. You know, yeah. 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 Without knowledge and discernment, you can't do what you can't approve the things that are excellent. You know, uh, and then you uh, you won't be without knowledge. You won't be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. I mean, that's what he's saying here. Uh, and you also you won't be filled with the fruits of righteousness. So these are the implications of us not gaining that knowledge uh, that God wants us to gain. And you know, and we've kind of I guess we've said it without saying it, but uh, going back here again to the very simplest way, uh, what do we have to have or what do we have to read to get the knowledge of God? Word. Our Bibles. I mean, you know, I, I guess we've said that without saying it, but you know, I, you kind of wonder what all you do have to say and don't have to say. But I mean, that's where we have to go. That's where we, that's where we gain the knowledge of God. It's not from some book that some fellow wrote. Uh, that's circling around that's you know New York Times bestseller that's not what we're going to get in some of those things are helpful but where we're going to gain knowledge about God is in our Bibles and we've got to be active in seeking that Mr. Gay he uses the word in here discernment mm-hmm. which you learn about God but you also learn what's not right yep so yeah is there any more comments or questions before we uh, move over just like you keep saying back to the basics of what it is, I mean, that's how we know what is the fruits of righteousness. What is good? And Evan, you know, hit on that. You know, God tells us things that are good and things that are not good. Yeah. I mean, that, it is simple as fun. That's where that we get that. From. Yeah. We wouldn't come up with that on our own. Yeah. And, and as we know that, uh, Mr. Gary, help me out here. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know the. Word, uh, commandments are for our good always. Where? Uh, Deuteronomy six twenty four. Yeah, Did you quote that for. Yeah, the whole thing. I'm trying to think exactly. <laughs> how. I didn't want to. Statutes and commandments uh, for our good always. For our good always. So these things we know are for our good, and so you know, going back to tying in Evans' lesson to this is that grace of God. So it's by God's grace. He teaches us these things, so and it's for our good always. And so uh, he's always looking out for us. And like Matt said, we wouldn't come up with the right things <laughs> to, that are going to be for our benefit. Uh, but we know that all these things are for our benefit. And so, you know, that's kind of a good segue into self-control. And, you know, knowing that all the things that are tied into self-control uh, are for our good and the things that God tells us to control about ourselves and we don't have to flip back to second peter but it says to add to your knowledge self-control and so that's the next aspect there that that, uh, peter's referring to and what is self-control we defined this a few weeks ago but self-control and it's also talked about as sobriety in uh in your bibles or temperance and so any of the places where you see those words, you can pretty much interchange that for self-control. But self-control is restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. And so I'd like for us to kind of think here for a minute about, and if you think about this, impulses, emotions, and desires. And I know we could spend all day making lists, but uh, about what things would fall under these three categories that that we all struggle with, and the things that we struggle with, uh, I think, 
you know, going back to these impulses, some things that are impulsive, I, I would be impulsive to do, like, you know, um, people get mad about different things. People, you know, different things set different people off, as we would say. And so something that I might be impulsive to do, you might not. And so, you know, here again, those things might differ from from each of us, but I think... Um, well, I'll ask the question. We'll brainstorm a minute before I give my two cents. But what are some things we struggle with controlling that would fall under these three categories? And let's start with impulses. What's some things that are impulsive? Something that something that the Bible talks about that we have a struggle being impulsive about. It's really, two things that I think about. What you're Yeah. The Bible makes it clear, you know, we understand that anger can lead us to sin, you know, be angry and sin not. It leads yeah. to impulses that are not what God wants us to do. And I think anger can fall under either um, uh, uh, impulses or emotions. What's something else that we're typically pretty impulsive with? What you say. Your tongue. And if you look at James one nineteen. Um, so then, my my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And so, you know, I really, I really believe that you know our tongue is something that we're very impulsive with. That that the Bible, and we don't have time to do an exhaustive study about the tongue this morning. But you know, in your own studies, I believe it's James chapter uh, three that talks about the untamable tongue. Uh, go and study that for yourself. But that's something that we all struggle with. I would say that's pretty universal, just depending on degrees. But everybody's got a degree of struggling with that. Uh, but we all struggle with uh, what should we say, what shouldn't we say, uh, when should we say something, when should we be silent. Um, you know, and a lot of those things are difficult. But if you look here at James, he's saying, um, be swift to hear. And so if I think of something that, I can do in an active way, not a passive way, but in an active way, as Peter urges us to uh, to be, is swift to hear. And just think about it every time you're you're in this in this process of thinking: Do I need to say something? Do I not need to say something? Should, how do I say it? Whatever. Just always remember: You got two ears and one mouth. And so, you know, God did the math for us there. It's doubly important to listen, and way less important for me to speak. Uh, and I think that. You know, that at least helped me. I think about that very often. I forget who, who told me that. That's not original to me. Uh, but, you know, someone told me that one time, and that, that's really uh, resonated. Uh, and like I say, the Bible is covered up with lessons on the tongue. And Proverbs will talk about it. James talks about it. Uh, and so be mindful of yourself in that. And, and uh, we need to be in control of those impulses. That's what uh, God is uh, really striving for us to be, is being in control of those things. I think that word restraint really helps us to, yeah. to understand that. I think you know, when you go back to the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, what's the main sin we think of? We think of homosexuality, right? And people talk about homosexuality as this huge sin, this huge problem. Homosexuality really isn't the problem. It's not the problem. It's a symptom of the bigger problem of a lack of restraint. Mm-hmm. And that's that really gets back to the root of a lot of sins that we enter into. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I think of uh, your impulses. And, you know, I think we're... I know you've heard this said that, you know, 
uh, somebody be getting on to somebody or maybe even getting on to you and maybe you've said this, but I'm just, I'm born that way or that's just who I am. And, you know, um, all right, well, God don't want us to just be who we naturally are. I mean, you know, we should all know that. That's our flesh battling against the spirit. That's, you know, that's what we're talking about here a minute ago about um, us struggling with different things and, and God knows those things, and we should know those things. And if, if we don't, we need to be meditating on, hey, w- w- what are the things that I should be working on more? Uh, because we all have those those things. And so don't let that be an excuse of, oh, that's just who I am. I'm just rude, or I'm just quick out, you know, to say something, or uh, I've just got a short temper, or whatever. That's no excuse. Uh, that is no excuse at all for any of us uh, to claim that. And so don't don't be caught... Oh, what that. that does when we do that, and yet we're very harsh toward certain sins. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Correct. Because if you study the Bible, the Bible is about love and yeah. how we love one another. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to try to hurt our brother, or sister. Because, you know, especially yeah. if we need to learn something, uh, we need to uh, know how to treat them otherwise. Yeah. And, and all the people we come in contact with. Mm-hmm. All right, and then we've talked a lot of this about this here is um, the second piece of that is restraint exercise of one's own, one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. So emotions, we talked about anger. And so if you flip over to, and we talked a lot about this in, in Ephesians chapter 4, we talked a lot about this in our study on the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, and... One of the things that obviously is not a fruit of the Spirit is being angry. Um, but Ephesians 4 and verse 31, uh, Paul says here, let's start in verse 29. Um, it's really hard to find a place to start unless you want to read all of this because it's so uh, it's very applicable to what we're talking about. Well, let's start in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so, there's a lot of things that that we can um, verses we could look to to kind of help us. You know, how do we be active in this? Because this is something we all struggle with to varying degrees, just like the tongue. We all struggle with this, and so uh, there's all kind of things that we can kind of put in our mind. Uh, would I want someone to, to say or to do this to me? Would I want that reaction uh, to me? Um, you know, and and maybe and and sometimes I think that's not even uh, really the the hundred percent right way to look at it because um, you know sometimes I might be able to handle something that most people wouldn't, and so not even thinking about it just from the aspect of. Um, would I want somebody to, to treat me like that? Because uh, the reality is, is some people are more tender than I am, and some people uh, would react better if I approach them in a different way that I might not mind if you approach me in that way. And so I think that's something else that we should think about: is you know how how will will what I'm trying to convey be the best received? And that is, I'm not definitely not claiming to be good at that. I'm just, you know, as I think about how we communicate with one another and those, even not with just each other, those outside, uh, you know, they're looking at how we react to different things, how we uh, respond to people uh, in in everyday life. And, 
we all need to be mindful of how is the person receiving whatever I'm saying, doing, thinking, how is that being received from them and try to look at it from their standpoint and do they think that we're being bitter or angry? Uh, and I think that's maybe even a, a deeper way uh, to think about that. And is there any comments or questions on that? We don't have much time, so I know I'm moving quick. All right, so then the last part of that, and just I'm just taking this definition as kind of an outline, uh, restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. And desires, I think we can throw a lot of things under that. Um, and just for the sake of time, I'm just going to kind of give you the ones I've got, and we'll quickly go through these. We don't have but a few minutes left, but... Our desires, uh, and this really goes back to our, our fleshly lust, our fleshly desires, um, and we could uh, look at a lot of things here. But you know, some of the big things that that you think about are drugs or alcohol. Those things are desires of the flesh that can consume us. That we should be able to uh, win that battle. We should be in control of those desires. That's what God is urging us to do. And we can read a lot about that in Proverbs, uh, about, uh, especially about alcohol. But I think those same things apply to drugs. Anything that's going to capture us and take us over over who we are uh, <coughs> is, is what can fall in here. Food, you know, that's something that uh, Proverbs speaks to that as well. If you look at Proverbs uh, 25 and verse 16, and i tell you what was interesting is I, while I was doing some studying on this is uh, the, you know, you can phrase them however you want to, the researchers or, you know, psychology type people. They throw uh, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and food addiction all in one place. And it seems that we talk a lot about the drugs and alcohol, but, you know, the, the people that are supposedly the experts of the day put food in that. So gluttony or anything... And it's, it's all about having control of yourself. That's what it's all about, is being in control and not being succumbed to anything that's, that's worldly that's going to take, take you over. And drugs, alcohol, and food do those, d- does that. Uh, Proverbs 25 and verse 16, Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. You know, so just some uh, wisdom from the Proverbs. Hey, don't fill up on uh, sweet stuff, as you know. If I'm gonna take it to the uh, simplest form, eat only as much as you need. Um, and there's other places in Proverbs. Proverbs, if you want to look further, Proverbs 23:21 talks about it. I think even Titus talks about those Cretans that are uh, lazy uh, gluttons, you know. And uh, what's he say there? Rebuke them sharply. Uh, and those are the things that are mentioned there. So uh, that's that's one thing. That's a desire of our flesh that. We have to be in control over. We can't let that take us over. Um, let's flip over to Job 31. <clears throat> Job 31 and verse 1. Job 31 and verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then shall I look upon a young woman? And the King James Version says, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Uh, instead of with my, with mine eyes, uh, why then should I look upon a young woman? And so the desire to, uh, our, our fleshly or sexual desires for the opposite sex is something that we should have control over, uh, even, even to the point of looking. And you know, the, the worldly wisdom 
uh, will tell you, I, I know y'all have heard this, well, it don't hurt to look. Yes, it does. That is not, uh, that's not God's wisdom. That's worldly wisdom telling you that. It does hurt to look. Um, and we ought not do that. Uh, and that's for all of us here. And, you know, Job here, I, I really like that. I've made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not, you know, he, he's telling himself that, you know, there's something different between his brain and his eyes that he's made a covenant between those two that he's not going to look uh, to lust after uh, a young woman. And so, you know, that's something that is, that's our desires that we should have full control over. Uh, you know, and that's, like I say, we could make, we could keep making this list of desires that are fleshly, uh, but for the sake of time, obviously we can't. Um, one other thing that I think uh, falls into this to some degree about having self-control is when you're talking about uh, aspects of things, um, we can call them liberty or whatever, but if you flip over to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And so he goes on to talk about, uh, in verse 13, food for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but God will store both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and for the body. And so even sometimes um, we can't do the things that God allows. Uh, and I think that sometimes requires some self-control. If you look at Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and verse 13 says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat again, lest I make my brother stumble. These are things that we know that God approves of that we cannot participate in for the sake of our brother or for someone else. So we have to have, I think that's something that could fall under this about having control over that, being in control of, of yourself. Let's wrap it up. I know we're, we're at time. 1 Corinthians 9. We're already here pretty close. 1 Corinthians 9, starting at verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it for to now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified. And so what's he said in verse twenty seven? Uh, he disciplines his body. Why? To bring it into subjection. And so I think that's a, that's something that we need to keep in mind about having our body in subjection, having our own desires uh, in subjection under rule. We've got control over those things.